Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. Tonight, I have a guest who I met through Instagram, another one of my parasocial relationships that I have really come to enjoy. Um, it's one of the best parts of social media for me. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by Jennifer Jacuzzi. Jennifer had reached out and asked to be on the podcast. I, I put out a call every once in a while, and people respond, and, and Jennifer did. So welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. Um, I wanted to start this episode, like I do all my episodes, and ask you a little bit about like your your past, like where you grew up and how you grew up. I think it's very important to understand that part of somebody's story um, as we look at their, their substance abuse um, issues. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that part of your life. No problem. Um, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, my mom and dad each had a daughter from a previous marriage, and they got married and had my sister and I, my younger sister and I. I came first, <laughs> obviously. Um, and they were married for about four years before they decided that they were going to divorce. And when they split, it was a, a pretty acrimonious split. Um, my dad drank heavily and was an alcoholic. And my mom tried to get him help. Uh, he did sober up for about six months at the end and then started drinking again. And that's when they knew that it was over. Um, my mom moved from Baltimore, Maryland to Dallas, Texas with uh, three girls in tow with her daughter that she had had from a previous marriage and with the two younger ones because my grandparents, her parents were in Texas. Mm. So it was a big adjustment. Um, and she was a single mother with three kids. And my mom began to drink heavily. So I, I went from having, you know, a father that was alcoholic to, you know, a mom that drank pretty heavily too. Um, I don't know that she crossed the line at that point. She was more of a social drinker when I was younger, but my mom had a lot of emotional issues. Um, she was pretty abusive to both my younger sister and myself. Not so much my older sister, but, um, you know, 
it was difficult. Um, a lot of emotional abuse, I would say. Not physical, but emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom remarried, and um, I felt like my stepdad was a good man. He was kind, and she was married to him for my formative years. During uh, part of my elementary school, all of my junior high and high school. And during that time, he provided some stability. Uh, My mom, she decided she was done with him. Hmm. And she, before she did, right before they divorced, she admitted her alcoholism and she went to treatment. And at that time, um, it was the sanest I had ever seen her. She convinced my stepdad that he had a problem too. So he went to treatment also after her. Um, I went into treatment at 18, 19 years old for codependency at that time. And they tried to convince me at that time that I had a problem with alcohol too, but I wasn't willing to look at it because I was young. I I felt like I was too young to look at that issue. And I think how different my life would be had I, you know, been willing to at that point, but you know, we will not regret the past, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, there's a lot of young people out there that think, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm way too young, Right. but you're not. Yeah. So just to kind of pause there for a minute. Um, so you, you obviously you had a little bit of a chaotic childhood, um, between zero and 18, right? It sounds like, you know, it was like a little bit all over. You moved to Dallas. You were obviously young at that point. If I just put the timeline together, you were probably uh, seven. T- seven. Okay. Six, and then, seven. Yeah. yeah. And then your mom remarried pretty quick in, and because like of the elementary school timing of your, your stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you obviously had some stability through that time, you said, uh, but mom was still drinking and there was emotional abuse going on. It sounds like maybe you not only were, because you went to treatment for codependency, but then you mentioned that they said you had a problem with alcohol too. So you were drinking through high school. Is that what was going on? or I drank my first time when I was 14 years old Okay, and got drunk. And I wrote about it in my diary. And I still have that diary, actually. And have the entry where I wrote exactly what happened and what I drank and who I was with. And I can still remember that day because I was so very sick the Mm -hmm. next day and it was awful. And yet I remember it and, you know, continue to do it. But it was a long time after that first time um, because I just, I got so sick. And I remember being fearful and afraid that I would get caught. And I was trying to be the good girl, you know, and um, I was 
kind of the goody two shoes of the family, so to speak. And my younger sister was the, the rebel and the clown. She was the funny one. So I was kind of, you know, we all had our little roles in the family, I guess. But but, but you, yeah. when you drank that time, was yeah. it more just like, hey, I'm having fun because I'm 14 and in, in high school or, you know, whatever it was, or was there some other thing going on? And did you continue to do that up until 18? Just so I can understand, like, why they would think that you had a problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, when I was there, they administered different tests and things, and they they had me in a group where um, I was working with the counselor, and he saw behaviors, and he saw um, things in me, and heard my stories and I, you know, I was in college at the time and he picked up on things that I said and stories that I told and, uh, you know, talked about blackouts and, and things. And he would say, these are not normal things. You know, you, people aren't, you know, that drink normally don't blackout. <laughs> this right. isn't normal. Right. So, okay. you know, that kind of thing wasn't happening. I just assumed that people in college that that was something that was happening to everybody and yeah. it wasn't you know they weren't all drinking like I was hmm. and so it uh even though I was hanging out with the people that were the heaviest drinkers um and so to me it, it appeared that way it was a wake-up call and you know I I was a binge drinker. And so in my mind, because I could put time between, you know, long, long periods of time between when I would drink, I could rationalize it and make sense of it and say, oh, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not like my parents because I didn't want to be like them. Right. And um, there's also an, another interesting dynamic uh, that adds to the story, and that is the sister that got left behind that was my dad, my father's daughter, that was not the one that went with us. That was his daughter. Her mother died of alcoholism and she was sent off to boarding school. She went off to school and she ended up uh, getting into drugs. Uh, she did go off to college, I believe. Yeah. She graduated from college. She went, to school and um, was introduced to drugs, got into them, and um, she inherited money from her mom, the one that died, mm -hmm. and got into cocaine addiction. A big, big, big deal. I, I was surprised that she survived. Um, but she was thrown into jail, went to federal prison wow. for a while in Lexington, Kentucky. And so it was surreal. It was um, a really sad deal because, you know, this is my half sister. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And here I was. I, it, it was scary. It sure. was scary. One thing growing up, my mom used to say is, I can help you out of anything anything that happens to you except for drugs yeah 
because, you know, and so that, that put the fear in me. Okay. Like I was terrified of that, but you know, anything else. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I'm just, I, I, I want to step back one more step. Um, there was a lot there and the, you know, obviously you had a lot of things going on in your family, but you, you had mentioned that you were sent to treatment for codependency. So who decided that? Like, was this an intervention or was this somebody, because I've, I've, you yeah. know, the, like obviously Al-Anon and, you know, there's all sorts of things going on that, that I know about now. Um, but I don't know that I would have had the wherewithal at, 18, 19 to, to go like, Hey, yeah, I'm codependent. Right. Like, I don't even know right. that I would have known the wording or what was going on. So sure. who kind of pushed you that direction? Because uh -huh. that's super interesting to me. Um, okay. right now. Yeah. yeah. I went out to the meadows in Arizona. That's not where I went to treatment. But that's where my mom was in treatment. And, um, the author of the book codependent no more, uh, was working there at the time, I believe. And Pia Melody, I think is her name. And um, I say that because if I'm not mistaken, she was one of the ones that was doing the family week. And they were the ones that said they really worked, you know, on both my stepdad and myself and my older sister was there also, but, um, we, you know, they, they taught us about codependency. I'd never even mm -hmm. heard the term before. Um, but I learned what it was and, uh, that, you know, I had, had grown up in a very, you know, messed up situation. My mom was abusive and in that treatment setting, she did make some amends to us. And um, it was strongly suggested that, that I go and get some help for myself. And yeah. I, you know, I realized that that was a good idea. Yeah. So I did. Okay. That's pretty, um, it's pretty mature at that age. Um, and also something that I don't hear enough of actually. Um, and, and I think it's, it's an interesting thing because I'll just a personal uh, story here. We um, back, gosh, 2015, maybe I don't even remember when it was. But my family, my, my mom and my stepdad, um, we were having issues with my brother, um, who had just a, a bunch of different issues. And um, you know, there were some drug issues, there was health issues, it was a real mixed thing. And we had an intervention, um, which I don't, this isn't, I'm not, I don't want to give my thoughts on interventions, because that's like a whole separate <laughs> episode, right? But we had an intervention, and we got him to go away to rehab. That's the the, 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 the punchline. Um, so he was out getting better. But everybody else sort of stayed in the same place. You know what I mean? So like nothing changed. And I yeah. think that that was, a, was an opportunity for maybe the rest of the family to, to sort of take a moment and go away, right? Like, um, because I think it's, it's interesting because that you don't understand 
until you're in it, right? And 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 you understand it, and I understand it. But until you're in that dynamic, like somebody from the outside would be like, well, why would you need to go? You know, yeah. and um, it's because it's a whole dynamic. It's there's a lot of like bouncing off of each other, and you know, this yeah. person and that person, and, and so like the fact that you could kind of hear that from uh, Melody at the time uh, was yeah. pretty good. Um, so you, you that was the start of treatment for you. So you were how old at it that was. time? Like twenty ish. I, it was 1988. Let's see. 19. 19. Okay. So that's, you know, like, again, pretty, pretty uh, advanced thinking. But that started your journey on, on these, uh, on treatment and whatnot. So from there, what happens? You, you get out of treatment, your mom's in treatment, like this, mm -hmm. what does that story look like kind of in the aftermath of all that? Um, the aftermath of that was, I, I, first of all, I had to go to a different treatment center than my mom was at. So I went to Sierra Tucson, which I went to Tucson. She was in Wickenburg outside of Phoenix. Um, when I left there, I ended the relationship I was in because the guy that I was in a relationship with was an extremely heavy drinker. Um, but when I left Sierra Tucson, I flew straight to New York City with one of my friends from my group. And um, her name was Mallory. And she and I, um, she was amazing. And she passed away a year before last. We stayed in touch all these years. Um, she stayed sober. She died sober. Uh, Mallory McClay was her maiden name. Krizel, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, was her married name. And she was incredible. She was an amazing person and friend. Um, just neat gal. She was from Dallas and she, uh, I went with her and stayed at her place and she, when I, when I got back to Dallas, I flew there just for a short time, kind of accompanying her home, went around the city, and, and then I went back to Dallas. Um, I had a hard time initially with my mom. We butted heads because my mom kind of knew it all and was going to meetings all the time. And I, I didn't know what was wrong with her other than um, she was trying to be, she was trying to control my recovery. And I was trying to tell her to stay out of, you know, stay in your own lane kind of thing. Um, my mom ended up divorcing Larry and uh, she met someone else in AA and married him of course. Uh, my mom married five times and divorced. Would have been more if she hadn't had a stroke, probably. Uh, my sister and I said she probably would have married one or two more times. And, you know, but that's it's a sad thing. Um, yeah. Just alcoholism, you know, it's it, it makes untreated alcoholism makes relationships impossible you know and she had 
some mental health issues as well. So, um, yeah, but she was, she was doing okay until, until she wasn't, mm -hmm. she, you know, she started drinking again and this guy started drinking again, the one she met in AA and she, she had left Larry who had been, who had gone to treatment also and was supportive of her and loved her and probably would have stayed with her till the end. And, but yeah, that's hard. And, uh, on a side note, I lost Larry this year. He passed away, uh -huh. but, um, after my mom left him, it was too hard for him to be around me anymore. Yeah. So he left my life at that time. Um, but I did get to say goodbye to him and his daughter and son, especially his daughter are in my life. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I have, I don't have anything but good memories of the times that we spent together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Sometimes those relationships continue on, um, despite like breakups and second divorces and, you know, things like that, right? Like third divorces and, um, mm -hmm. it, it's, if the person's important, the person's important, right? And that, and that's right. kind of what matters. And I think, you know, as I age and have had things happen in my life, the thing that I find the most beneficial is who makes me feel good you know mm -hmm. actually inside mm -hmm. and those are the people that kind of continue on you know be it family friends you know family of um past uh, husbands or wives of my parents right like there's uh, yeah <laughs> you know and that is um sometimes it's hard for other people to wrap their head around um but yeah. as you as you get healthier right in your mm -hmm. recovery that is something that becomes very apparent to you like okay i need to make sure the people around me are are good people stable um mm -hmm. and are good um good for my recovery and and you know therefore my mental health and and that is something that i know i've been pushing at home because um, mm -hmm. it's also healthy for like my children right mm -hmm. and uh, wow. yeah so um trying to model behaviors that are good behaviors. And it sounds like Larry was a good person. And, um, you know, you, you managed to keep some of that in your life, which is, is great. Um, so <clears throat> you, you have, um, at that point, you're, you're out of recovery. Your mom's trying to control your recovery a little bit. Drinking is back on the table for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I started um, drinking again and went back to school. I took a little time out after treatment and decided I was going to, what do they call it, a gap year, I guess. Um, took some time off and worked a little bit, a little bit. Um, I did temporary work and met some interesting people then I went back to school and um, my dad had helped some with college. Um, he believed in education and 
I did some school and, but he said, if you take time off, I'm not gonna, you know, do school anymore. So I went back to school. I went to Oklahoma University, OU, and I was working and working and working. I was working at a restaurant, um, waiting tables, which is very hard work, especially on game days. <laughs> when you're close to the stadium, it was awful. And I was not the best wait waitress at all. <laughs> so um, I also worked at a radio station overnight. So I, I was exhausted a lot of the time. Um, at one point, I was working three jobs and going to school. Uh, I was substitute teaching also. So it was it was heavy. And you you try to pour some drinking into there and you're going to end up with uh, trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, but I ended up not graduating at that time because I met my future husband when I was waiting tables at that time. My future ex-husband, I should I, say. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. And and so that, it was it that meeting that sort of put everything off course? Yes. For, from an education standpoint, I don't mean life. I just, so let me just. <laughs> well, education, I mean, it, it was a changing yeah okay. it, it changed things <laughs> it changed the course of of your life at it that did. moment okay yes. yes it was one of those yes. pinpoints yes okay so correct when you met him what happened uh in life uh i he was in town from rhode island and he was on vacation he had graduated the year before from ou and he had been at the horse races and won and asked asked me out while I was I had forgotten his chips and he came back to the I came back to the table and he said why don't you go out with me tomorrow and I said nope sorry I'm seeing somebody and I was I was seeing uh, one of the assistant coaches mm. <laughs> from the football team a big guy you know and I was like you don't want to mess with him um but he said, no, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. You know, I'm flying out tomorrow. So it's no big deal. Just just go out to eat with me. Ah, what have I got to lose? Okay, I'll go. So I went and uh, one month later from, from that date, he put a ring on my finger and I moved to Rhode Island. Wow. Got married. And the rest of my life, I mean, the rest of my life changed. The rest of my life did change. Uh, my daughter was born in May of that year. And yeah, wow. life changes. Yeah. Life changes. Yep. Yeah. So you moved from Oklahoma to Rhode Island. So you had kind yes. of been Texas, Oklahoma, which is a different vibe. Yeah. Then Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know where in Rhode Island you were. I know Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, I'm in the Northeast, and my in-laws happen to live in Rhode Island, so I know it. Oh, um, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I I lived in Smithfield first. Okay. And then we moved to Johnston. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. yeah. So it, that's a much different. I, I've I've been in Texas, oh. so I know what Texas feels like. Rhode Island Imagine. feels much. Yeah. So that's like culture shock Imagine. too for you. Yes. Right. And there was a little jaunt in the middle that I forgot to tell you about, where I went to the University of Delaware for a year, a year. Uh -huh. Freshman, was that freshman year? Yeah. Um, I had a roommate from New Jersey, actually. Okay. And how, how I ended up there, Larry, my stepfather, had transferred for a job for a short period of time. And we lived in Malvern, PA, uh -huh. outside of Valley Forge. Yeah, I know where Malvern is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And my, my roommate was from, um, I'm trying to remember, Frank, uh, not Wayne. Where was he from? It was northern New yeah. Jersey, not far, not far from New York City. Okay. Um, yeah. So now you're in Rhode Island. Rhode Island is not... Um, New England's, <laughs> and this is probably a generalization and people might go like, you're crazy, but New England to me has a very, um, uh, it has like a love affair with alcohol. That's how, oh, yeah. you know, what I, I, I uh, it is a, a specific sort of culture and it definitely has that sort of love affair with it. And I, I, I think people listening would understand that, um, in certain areas more than others, um, you know, yeah. you know, when you go to Newport, Rhode Island or something like that, it is very much oh. based around alcohol. If you go to Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard, you know, Boston has that kind of thing, um, you know, and uh, yeah, so it just is. And so now you're, you're somebody with a problem, you get thrust into that environment, um, you have a baby, you're stress of a new marriage. I'm guessing things didn't go smoothly or... Is that, is that a bad? We were a young couple and we were renting. Um, we had landlords, the people that owned the house, an old Italian couple that made wine and would bring us bottles of wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was, you know, I had postpartum depression I would drink some wine, but to be honest, we weren't in we weren't in Rhode Island a whole lot longer after that. We moved back to Texas okay. um, because he was an architect and he got a job, and we ended up going back home. Um, we were fish out of water, really. <laughs> we didn't stay in Rhode Island that long. Um, I actually I liked it there. I thought it was beautiful he just was not happy he had never even been on an airplane um when he <laughs> flew out to rhode island the first time but um yeah he's he's happy now he's on his fourth wife i believe one two yeah fourth wife okay so <laughs> well, well, you know whatever it takes yeah you know okay but I, I wish him the best. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I, I do want him. I want him to be happy. And, and how long did that relationship last? And and uh, five years. Five years. Okay. Five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and after those five years, what was what happened with your life? 
with my life at five years, uh, we had, we had a separation that it was very difficult and very sad. And, um, I, I was asked to, um, have joint custody with my daughter and it was agreed upon to, in order for me to do the best thing for her and to do what was right, I had to let go of having custody of my daughter. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. And I did what was best for her and what was right. And I let him have everything, basically the house, you know, in Oklahoma. And I went back to Texas and I went to work for, I had my degree at that point. I had gone back to school and finished up my degree. I graduated that August and this was October. And the drinking, of course, is progressive, as you know. And the drinking had started again. And we both had things that had gone on that shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, I know that I, I crossed the line with my drinking. And I'm aware of that. And I, I made amends to my ex-husband. Um, I actually pulled him aside at our daughter's graduation party from college and sat down with him. And that was my chance, my one chance I had. And, and uh, I had talked it over with my sponsor and she said, you need to do it face to face. And that was when I did it. So the next time I saw him, I think was, um, at her wedding and you know i haven't had i it's just we have to seize those opportunities when when you can sure. you know but um things were okay between us i i felt like um with my ex-husband and i i felt like while she was growing up that we had a good relationship for a time, um, I I gave everything I could as a single mom for nine years. I was single for nine years. When I met and married my husband, Oh, it's hard to say. Um, they wanted child support. Yeah. So we ended up having to start paying child support. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. That part is, that part is hard and it will always be hard for me because I, you know, will not regret the past. Um, I miss my daughter. You know, I don't even have the pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have videos. All those things are gone. 
And what she doesn't understand is I didn't, I didn't want to be like my mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to have, you know, I didn't want her to, to grow up like I did. And I was terrified, terrified I would be my mom. Yeah. And so I felt like the best thing I could do was to take me away from her. And um, in so doing that, I think now she's punishing me for it, you know, and she hasn't been in my life now for the past seven years. The last time I saw my daughter was at my mom's funeral. Okay. And she's, um, actually, I think tomorrow is my oldest grandson Foster's sixth birthday. And he started kindergarten this year. Hmm. And he is the oldest of, yeah, she's about to have her fourth baby. She'll have two boys and two girls. And I haven't met any of them. So that's a tough, tough story. Um, and it is. You know, when you made the decisions you made, you were making them based on an idea that you were protecting her, right? And, And maybe at some point in time, you can explain that and she can understand it. Um, because it, it, it just was what you knew at that moment. And that, that is kind of parenting in a nutshell, right? Like you're always doing what you think is the best thing at the moment and you don't know how it's going to play out, you know? And, um, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the toughest part of being a parent. It's, it's an 18, yes. it, you know, it's a long, um, a long game of it, you know? So, um, when, mm-hmm. when you were, you know, a single, single mom at that point, And then before you met your current, is your current husband, right? Is, is you, you remarried? And now, um, (laughs) you froze. When, when did you start to understand that you needed to make a change with your drinking? Uh oh. Did I lose you? Question. Okay, you there? Okay, I can hear you, but okay. I'm sorry, you froze up and I couldn't hear the last part of the I can't see ya. Yeah, I just turned the video off. I see a C, but that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I can hear you. Yeah. Um so uh when did you decide that it was time to make a change with your drinking? Um. Uh, I think that I mean I've always known deep down inside that it's been a problem. My uh, stepbrother was joking with me at at a wedding not too long ago that, you know, I was getting sneaking champagne at the Christmas table. Like, and I was, <laughs> how old? I don't know. 
16, you know, I, so it goes way back. Um, it, it just was always something. It was an escape. Yeah. I was always trying to escape the pain and, uh, you know, the, when I say pain, it's, um, unresolved stuff. And so I've tried really, really hard to do that stuff and the account for has helped. Uh, but I think what's helped more than anything is helping others. And how I do that is sponsoring, uh, reaching out to the newcomers. And um, the last place I went to treatment, the last stop on the block is what I say. <laughs> the last treatment center I went to, number five, lucky number five. <laughs> okay. I went to a place called Cirque Lodge in Utah. And it was in 2012. And I went and it was, I love the snow. I love snow and it was cold and it was unbelievable. It, the mountains and it was beautiful. And somehow I just, you know, it was done. It's just done. And my current husband was ready to divorce me too, by the way. Yeah. He was, pretty much finished with me. <laughs> um, but I don't know. God helped me to make that decision that that I was through. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm grateful. And that was at, at in Utah. How long ago was that? That was in back in uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's been a while. Yeah, that's the, my, the reason I was. That's my I just year thought. Too. Who but, went there? I, that's the same year that I, I got sober as well, 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good year. Yeah, it's a good year. <laughs> <clears throat> I was actually there. I missed um, Matthew Perry by like 13 days. Okay. If I. Yeah, just had missed him. Yeah. They said, if you had been here just a few days. You would have crossed over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you you did the uh, rehab, uh, the treatment center. You came out. You went home. Um, so you went back into the same spot, same routine, same people. What, what, what tools did you use at that point to sort of hold on that path? Like, what did recovery look like for you at home? What did recovery look like for me at home? Um, when I went home from the treatment center. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the tools that I had was a schedule because I didn't have one before. And I wasn't, at that time, I wasn't working. Um So I had to have my my time structured. I had to have my meetings lined up so that I would know exactly when I was going to be going to meetings. 
Um, and I am an early morning person. I'm not a late night person. I go to bed early and I get up early. I've kind of always been that way. And so I go to a 6.30 a.m. meeting. And uh, my home group is the Cosmopolitan Group in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I really enjoy that meeting. It seems like to me, um, sometimes it's like the early morning meeting. I used to go to the 707 meeting in Dallas at the Clean Air North group. It seems like people that are really serious about recovery tend to be at the early morning meetings. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about it or why it's that way, but it, it just, it's like the early bird gets the worm kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, something about being up early and getting a start on the day and I just, I, I like being there and meeting people yeah. early. Now, are you somebody that gravitates towards women's groups or are you? Um, I, I have been to women's groups before. Yeah. I, I go to, you know, all different kinds of meetings, okay. but yeah, mainly, um, I discovered quite by accident, actually, a, zoom meeting that i really enjoy i was trying to find an al-anon meeting for a friend of mine whose daughter is struggling and i went online and um, i have an aa app on my phone and uh, i went to the online meeting finder and i just quite by accident found this group it's called sotu which stands for spirit of the universe mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're familiar with that group or not. No. But it's really reignited my sobriety in a good way. Um, they have three meetings a day on Zoom, and they have what's called a reading meeting. And it's really different. It's uh, in the morning at it's 8 my time, so it's 9 your time. Mm-hmm. And they do a reading. It can be any reading as long as it's uh, recovery related. So they change things up a little bit, but they have a motivational video and a song every day and a meditation. It's it's different. It's, yeah. They just change things up a little bit, but it's I it's hard to explain. It's just a a really neat group. And it and it's structured through the twelve steps. It is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's. I mean, that meeting is very different. Yeah. But you just you just have to you have to check it out. Yeah. No, it sounds it's different. Yeah, it sounds different, and I'm all for you know people trying different things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am not somebody who's stayed on one path through my recovery so i yeah. am all for trying different meetings different meeting types um yeah. zoom in person you know mm -hmm. you know there's so much out there now um for people so yeah. that's great that you found something now you know uh 11 yeah. years in that is sort of refreshed it for you right because i think that that is important to kind of always have something to um to challenge you and help you grow yes right yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah um and so now you're in recovery 
Um, yes. Is your spouse in recovery? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So that he is. that helps probably a little bit, mm -hmm. right? You guys are doing this together. Yes. Next month he will have twenty-two years. Okay. So he was in recovery. Was he in recovery before you met him? Yes. Okay. Well, I say before we met. He. <laughs> this is a funny story. We met when we were living in sober living. Okay. Okay. In Dallas. Okay. We were in Oxford houses. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Oxford House? Yes. 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 That's how we met. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's. He uh... was in a men's house. I was in a women's house. Yeah. So. That's okay. how we met. Mm -hmm. All right, and he's kind of had that that uh, that time, and he's hung hung in for mm -hmm. a, a while. So that's awesome. Congrats to him. Um, yes, I'm very proud of him. Yeah, and I, I guess my and just so and I, I think most people are aware of this. My wife drinks still, and I don't. It doesn't really. It was never a challenge for her, so it's not a thing, right? It's she can just have one glass of wine, or even like pour a glass of wine and have like a sip of it, and then pour the rest out, which is just crazy. That's um, alcohol abuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like I just right. it, it we we definitely are not wired the same, um, uh -huh. you know. And so we, you know, we live a normal you know, life, like, you know, it's not a big challenge for me. Do you uh, merge your recoveries at all? Or do you keep them separate? Um, we do go to the same morning meeting, but we sit in different places. Okay. And, you know, like, we'll go together, but we communicate different, you know, with different people. And it's a big room. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> excuse me. He, we, I mean, we try to keep things different, but we have a lot of the same friends. Mm -hmm. So they, people kind of group us together. If we're not at the same meeting, like people for a long time were like, well, where's Paulo? Or like, yeah. if we're not together, they'll say, where's the other one? I'm like, what am I not enough? You know, but we, we do tend to go to meetings together just because. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's just something that yeah. I don't have any experience with. So, yeah. And, yeah. you know, if I look around my circle, I don't know. I don't know if there's any. Yeah, I know a couple people who are coupled together and, and in recovery, but I don't know. I've never really asked them how they handle it. So, yeah. uh, that's interesting. And, yeah. um, it's probably very nice and supportive and it feels good. And I'm, but I'm sure there's some moments where it's probably challenging too. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's like, eek. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> Every once in a while, like when that cute newcomer goes up and is kind of batting her eyelashes and I'm like, mm. <laughs> stay yeah. away from my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I bet that it's just kind of like, it's also, I, I can imagine it because everybody does it their own way. And I can imagine there's some conversations every once in a while, like, eh, I don't know if I would do it that way or, you know, that's not, <laughs> you know, but, um, you guys are navigating it well, it seems like. So that's awesome. And, um, really good to hear. It's, it's also nice if I have a question, like I have two sponsees right now. And if I have a question about the steps, because mm -hmm. he's, he's actually worked in admissions for a treatment center and, um, he was even 
on one of the very first episodes of the TV show. What is it? Intervention? Yeah, intervention. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's what it was called. I couldn't couldn't think of the word. Um, But yeah, he was on the show picking a guy up at the airport Mm. and, you know, one of one of those. So, um, yeah. But yeah. And and how and now that you have your recovery time, um, what are how are you like living your life? That is kind of like what I always I'm interested in hearing, like, are you giving, you, you obviously sponsor people, which is amazing. Yes. And that is a huge give back. And I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, it's like service and community are two impa- like imperatives, I think for yeah. people that are in recovery. Um, what else is, has this brought you? Like, what else has this afforded you? Well, I was a deacon at my church for three years and that was something, if you had told me years ago that I would ever be a deacon at my little Presbyterian church um, here in Little Rock uh, at Trinity Presbyterian, that I would have just laughed at you mm-hmm. because drunk Jennifer would never have been, you know, that would have never happened ever. Um, I've also been a, in fact, they texted me today to see if I could take on another person. Um, I'm a temporary sponsor to women at SERP. So here I am in Arkansas, and I'm being a temporary sponsor to women that are there at the lodge. And so I get phone calls from women that are there. So I'm sponsoring women there also. And I tell my story via Zoom sometimes when they need a speaker. Mm. So I'm able to, to do that be of service in that way. Um, I go to a Monday Bible study with our pastor from church, and I feel like that helps me to be fed. It's been a tough year. Um, There's been a lot of loss. Um, I had several friends pass away. One, One of my friends from the program that had struggled to stay sober uh, was in a drunk driving accident and hit someone head on and he died. So that was really sad. Um, his wife is a good friend of mine and he left behind two kids that are just devastated to lose their dad. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, that's the one thing that doesn't stop through getting sober and, and, um, you know, I hear it all the time, even just sort of in a joking manner at, you know, work or something like I've had a hard day, I'm going to go pour a whiskey or whatever it is, right. And it's like, you know, and and I know what the day was, because I've been part of the same day. So it's not like anything crazy, right. And, And I've had some pretty major life events over the past 11 years. And it sounds like you have too, and never really... I could say I have not really thought about it in in a, in any way, shape, or form of like that would make this better, right? It it just to me would make it ten times worse. Like I, it just yeah. I wouldn't be able to cope with any of the stuff going on, right? So like your husband had an accident with a gun. Yeah, I can't imagine that it would be like, oh, let me have a drink so I could deal with this better. Like it just doesn't oh. make sense when oh. right? Like it would just would be a nightmare. Um, 
<laughs> but but you hear that statement a lot and I hear that a lot in my day-to-day life as like this is the tool I'm going to use to cope with this stress or this tragedy or this you know not even yeah. I, you know this little bad day that I had and it's it's just it's so commonplace um but I'm glad that you've been able to sort of navigate it and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with your faith and your support system and all of that 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 helps you sort of understand like okay this happened and we will get through this right like that is yeah that is the one of the big things that I've really enjoyed of my sobriety yeah it's like yeah these days are tough they are but well when I got a call from the police department um I was just completely panicked but my husband was calm as a cucumber and he was the one that's on blood thinners and yeah. was bleeding, you know, practically bleeding out, yeah. you know, just, but he was calm because he was saying the serenity prayer over and over and over. So, you know, they were putting him in the ambulance and he was like telling the policeman, please don't freak out my wife. <laughs> and he was just like, you know, God's got it, whatever. You yeah. know, he was calm. He was like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so, that's good. It's, uh, um, he's just kind of calm in those circumstances. So Yeah. Well, I yeah. know we're getting up on time, and I do okay. really always like to ask people before okay. we leave. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, like, TV, movie, book, music person. Like, I think media is very important in, in my life. Um, sure. You know, it, it kind of is a nice thing at the end of the day. Uh, and, and even like, you know, I'll just drive in the car and listen to music as, as a way to calm down. So what my question to you is, is there anything that you really are uh, liking these days, TV wise or movie wise or books or anything that you can help recommend to the listeners? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm old school. I, (laughs) um, oh, before we die, have you heard of that one? No. It's Amazon Prime. Okay. Very good. It's an Amazon Prime show. Okay. Yeah. Before we dive, my husband and I watched uh, two seasons of it. And there's also a third season we haven't seen, but it's it's good. Okay. It's a good one. And old Benny Hill is the best. Oh, man. <laughs> I could watch that over and over. That was my dad's favorite. And if you just are having a bad day and you just need to laugh, Benny Hill, just watch Benny Hill. It's, he's hysterical. It is. And I, <laughs> I, um, so I always had a TV in my bedroom growing up and I, you know, I, I was in the basement of our condo when I was a kid and Benny Hill was on, I want to say at like 11 o'clock or 11.30 on USA Network all the time. And I used to watch it. And it was, you know, it was very, when I was watching it, I, pro- I was probably like fifth grade, fourth grade, you know, somewhere in that in that weird time frame. And it just seemed, it wasn't dirty. But I guess to my fourth grade mind, it seemed like, oh, this is something I shouldn't be watching, you know. And it was on at 11. And there was just like a lot of like, oh, yeah. this is this is dangerous TV, right? And I'm sure yeah. if I watched it now, I would say like, what is, 
what was I thinking? So maybe I'll I'll give Benny Hill a chance because that is, <laughs> it was something that I watched a lot of as a kid. Um, oh, I can still hear my dad's cackle when I maybe that's why I love it so much. I can still hear him laughing. Right, right. <laughs> a lot of nostalgia about it. Yes. Um, do you like music at all, or is? I love music, but I'm. 70s all the way okay. like all the way yeah jackson brown for me okay um favorite song is sky blue sky sky blue sky black okay it's just i mean old jackson yeah he's the best songwriter ever yeah. i mean i just i love jackson brown he's amazing his acoustic guitar is he's a good I, one i guess growing up with an older sister um you know, my sister Lee, and she just, you know, seven years older. I yeah. listened to all the 70s bands. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to take those down and, and I'll put them in the show notes. Um, I try to give something every week and I, it's increasingly hard, um, especially because I've been like recording these maybe back to back. But uh, this past week on Netflix, they released a new episode of it's just very awful like reality tv but it's this show called selling sunset and it's ah. um real estate but like super super high-end real estate in california and it's a lot of drama and i started watching it when we were on vacation this summer and i couldn't get enough of it and they had a new season come out this week and i've watched all of it already um it is Ooh. <laughs> yeah it's just like i don't know it's like chips right it's like i you know i can just watch that like i could eat chips and um again i don't know why i like it so much i i couldn't tell you it is not my thing i don't watch like the bachelor i don't watch any of that stuff but this for some reason has struck a nerve in me and i and i i love it um, i'm gonna have to watch yeah it's really bad it's like i i i, I hate to recommend it because it is so <laughs> nonsensical um and they're so the the agents are all very mean to each other they are all like these very attractive people um and they're buying and selling houses that are mil you know tens and 30 million dollar home like not not my world at all um but maybe that's why i like it it's just like escapism right right um, right so that's my that's my uh my thing for the day um don't really have anything else music or book wise i i just i don't have enough uh going on um so before we go though i do want to ask you if you have any like last thoughts for the listeners like any tool that you might give them um or, or something like that well it's not a tool but there is a part of my story that uh, i didn't tell you about sure. and that was my profession sure and what i did and what i went to school for yeah that that might be of interest and I went to school and studied communication, and that was why I'd been working at the, the radio station. And I ended up working in television. Okay. And how that plays into my story is I ended up, um, I worked for the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, and I worked in media and ended up after the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, that timeline i ended up going back and working at a station there and um drinking and working in tv 
do not mix mm. well. Um, I went on the air drunk. Okay. And that will kill a career yeah. faster than anything. <laughs> um, so there is a tape that exists. In fact, I have it right there. Okay. <laughs> right down there on the shelf um, of me drunk on television, slurring my words. And, uh, you know, I, I went on the air and I had drank, I had been on a, a date before I went to work and drank too much wine. Uh-huh. And I was let go the next day. Oof. And what's happened since then professionally? Well, I ended up, that ended that career, but um, after that, I went on to work in marketing research and I did, uh, I worked in that for quite a while. And then I worked as an activities director here in Little Rock at a retirement home. And I've done a lot of volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but mainly retired. Yeah. Now. All right. Well, maybe yeah. you can start a podcast with that oh, communication cool. background, right? <laughs> and start, right. Start right. to talk to people. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, listen, that's the re- people, people do it, right? I mean, people show up to work drunk. Um, yeah. And your circumstance, unfortunately, is you were on TV and recorded and it was there. And, yep. you know, sometimes it is that, right? And uh, right. that is... It happens. It does happen. It does happen. And um, that is un- uh, that probably plays into part of the story of why you're where you're at now, though. So, you know, you wouldn't be here without that. And that's, that's the, right. the hard part, right? It's like all that stuff that we did uh, is part of why we're where we are now. And yes. uh, and you've helped people because of where you're at now, right? So it's like all these things add up to something greater. Um, at the time, though, it's yeah. devastating. It's mm-hmm. devastating. Um, well, that is uh, quite a quite a story. Um, yeah, any any tools, anything that you can just share? Um, any thought that you might want to leave somebody with? Books are your friend. <laughs> they are. Lots of books. I love to read. Yeah. See? Yeah. Um, Living yeah. Sober, Came to Believe. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Love yeah. Came to Believe. Yeah. Emotional Sobriety. Uh Oh, this is a great one. If you're not familiar with this one, The Steps We Took by Joe McHugh. Okay. Joe McQueenie is Joe McHugh out of Little Rock. Yep. He's the one that started uh, Wolf Street, which is the nonprofit my husband works for. Okay. Yeah. He also wrote this, Carry This Message, A Guide for Big Book Sponsorship, Joe McHugh. Hmm. Okay. 
I will try to link all of these in the uh, in the show notes. And then the other thing that I'm going to link in there too is <clears throat> the book that you had mentioned early on, the uh, the one by Melody uh, Beattie, um, the mm-hmm. codependent no more, no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy. And here's living sober. Yes, that's a that's a big one, right? And Emmett Fox. Okay. Sermon on the Mount. And my favorite book, you asked for a favorite book. The Giving Tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of those, and, and it's hard to understand that book until a certain point in your life. That's right. Um, it's my a kid's book, book that I think hits everybody at a different point in their life. For anybody that hasn't read The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, it's, um, it's a short story but it's pretty impactful and and I don't think that you get it until I I I don't know when you get it. I think everybody catches it at a different point. I I caught it <clears throat> probably in my mid 40s and I went, "Oh, I get that book now." Right? Like that I, I get, you know, everybody has that moment when they're the tree, right? I think most mm-hmm. of us are the boy for quite a while. Mm-hmm. In that book, um just sort of taking and taking and taking. Um, and until you're the tree, I don't think you get the book. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's, uh, it's a tough book. Um, well, I, w- I'm going to link that too, for sure. Um, yeah, we have a couple copies of that in the house. Uh, it's a, it's a good book. Yeah. Jennifer, I appreciate you being on tonight. I hope you had a, a nice time. Um, I had a great time talking to you and and hearing about your story. Um, Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. I can say that, you know, your story, uh, you know, what, what I took out of it was sort of the family dynamics can really make a challenging life that, you know, that if I just could kind of put a bow on it, it's like that there's so many different dynamics that happen in families that have these echoes and, um, you know, you, you started off in a, in a rough way and then it kind of continued on and, you know, there was all these things happening around you that then impacted you and, um, but you're here now and that's all that matters. Still here. Yeah, still here. (laughs) All right. Well, um, everybody, if you can like subscribe and review the podcast, it helps and we will be back next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.